Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, very excited for this one. This is episode number 255. Um, today, we're sitting down and talking with Jason Comstock. Uh, Jason is just an absolutely incredible dude. I'm very excited to meet him. Um, I have been trying to hold off on just <laughs> overwhelming you guys with uh, Desert Rat stuff, though it seemingly has completely not consumed my life, but it's become like a major part of my life over the last few months um, as we're getting closer to the actual date. We're two about two weeks away when this podcast comes out um, from going out in the desert and filming this documentary. And, um, and I've tried to like hold back a little bit on just overwhelming, like, you know, uh, pivoting the podcast all towards uh, the film. But uh, my friend Amy, who I've raced with, who worked the aid station the last time, um, she is going back running the race again. And she was like, I have an incredible friend named Jason who's going to be out there. He's going to be doing the race with me. Um, we're a part of this thing called Team Red, White, and Blue, uh, which is this amazing uh, community with the mission, this is right from their website, uh, to enrich the lives of Americans' veterans by connecting them to their community through physical and social activity, such as running, such as races. Uh, and the idea of Team Red, White, and Blue being out in the middle of the desert helping each other through this really hard event is just awesome. Amy's like, he's super interesting, fascinating guy. Um, you should definitely talk to him, uh, get to know him a little bit before we head out there. So I was like, sweet, let's do it. So we recorded a podcast. Um, that's what you guys are about to listen to. Um, it's awesome, man. Jason, you're an inspiring guy. Um, I cannot wait to just be out there on the trail cheering you on and just becoming more of a fan of you than I already am just from uh, doing this podcast. So so that'll be awesome. That'll be super fun. Um, I know you guys are going to love this episode. He's super well-spoken. Um, very interesting, very interesting guy. So, uh, before we get into that though, we have two and a half, well, two weeks before, uh, heading out to the desert. We also have two more weeks on our Indiegogo campaign and we are at about 55% of our goal, which is awesome. Um, and I am just blown away by all the support from you guys. And here's something I've learned about Indiegogo that's kind of interesting. So you do a project like this and the first people who really jump on board are a lot of times like friends, family, um, and some of your biggest supporters, some of the people who are out there really cheering you on. Uh, and it is this extra level of pressure to not disappoint to it adds this layer of like, Oh crap. Like I got to get this done now. Um, which is not a negative in my, just in this experience, this one experience of doing this, it hasn't been a negative being like, oh, there's extra pressure on me now to get this done because a project like this, something I've been, we've been working on for like a year now, um, it takes complete dedication. It takes complete passion. And, and there are times where you have the self-doubt. There are times where you know, you're like, Oh, should I let off the foot off the gas pedal? But then you get this extra extrinsic motivation of like your friends and family being like, I just donated to your Indiegogo campaign. I can't wait for the movie, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh geez. Oh man. <laughs> uh, I got to keep going, which is cool. Like you need that in, in these moments. And I kind of compare going out and filming this race, uh, is very comparable to like actually going out and running it. Uh, from my experience, because you got to put that groundwork in, you got to, you know, do as the Boy Scouts say and be prepared. Um, you got to get ready for it. And do you know what's going to happen on the adventure? Not really. No, like that's part of what makes an adventure an adventure, right? But you do know, hey, I gave it my all. I put in the work beforehand. And that gives you this confidence to go out there and perform at the best of your ability, um, which is awesome. And, you know, I learned that through doing desert rats and now I'm applying it to filming it with some amazing, incredible people, uh, and focusing on 
just these awesome athletes like Jason and Amy and, you know, the other folks who are going to be out there who I've been in contact with and talked to and all that. And I just can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to share the experience with you guys. Um, if you haven't donated to the Indiegogo yet, that's totally cool. Like I totally get it. Um, if you want to though, like basically essentially, uh, if you donate at it, I think it's the second level, which by the way, I named all the levels after uh, parts of the Cocopelli Trail. So I was pretty proud of that. Um, actually, that was my buddy Chris Cornejo's idea and he's going to be out there as well. He's like one of my best friends. He's the man. Anywho, uh, if you donate at one of the levels, I think there's a level we call the Desert Rat itself. Um, you can actually just get the movie. So when we're done editing it, you know, afterwards, which is quite a long process from what I hear, though we have an editor on board, super psyched for that. Um, when it's done, you'll, you guys will get the movie. So essentially you're just paying for it beforehand. So anywho, that's my sales pitch. Uh, do, do what you gotta do. Uh, thank you for the support though. If, if you are choosing to support that rocks, um, let's get into it though. Uh, this is the like a Bigfoot podcast number 255 with Jason Comstock. Uh, I, I didn't run, you know, as a kid or in, you know, in high school, I played yeah. basketball. And so if we did running, it was, you know, part of training, but yeah. never, you know, never as a, as a runner. Um, I, well, that's not true. Actually in ninth grade, I did run track. I ran the 400 and um, I always finished last. I mean, I just, <laughs> you know, I was just, I was, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm six, six, but I was always taller than everybody, extremely uncoordinated at that point in my life and just not, not very fast. And so, I mean, literally I always finished last. There's, it's not even, that's not a joke. That's really what would happen. I mean, the other runner, runners would finish and then 10 seconds later, I would still be on the track, you know, just coming across the finish line. Yeah. So I well, never... I, I have to say 400 in track, hardest event It's either the 400 or the 800. Cause they're like, Hey, you're going to actually run for quite some time, but you're going to be sprinting and you're yeah. like, well, yeah. this seems dumb. Why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah. And I think they thought because I was tall, that would be the event for me. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so, so that was kind of my experience. So I was never a runner. Um, yeah. And then I, you know, I joined the military and uh, obviously we did some, a little bit of running there, but, but nothing, you know, nothing too crazy. I mean, even in the army, you know, I had to run um, yet to qualify for the, you know, for your physical test, for the PT test, you know, you had to run two miles. And based on my age at the time, I had to be able to do it in eight minutes. And where we ran, we literally ran downhill, which was awesome. So, yeah, you know, yeah. two miles, you know, for 15 minutes, I can, I can do that. And so, uh, but I never really liked running, you know, and I know I always said I had knee problems, so I couldn't do it. And, and then uh, I got out of the military and, um, I really started to pack on the weight. I mean, I got, you know, again, I'm about six, six, but I got close to, you know, 300 pounds. And I just thought, man, this is not where I want to be. Yeah. And so I'm just going to start running thinking that that would be easy. Um, and I mean, it really is. Anybody can literally put on a pair of tennis shoes and go out their front door and run in their neighborhood and exercise. And so, so I just started doing that and, and I found that I really liked it and, and I started to lose some weight uh, but I also realized for me personally, at the same time, I was having some personal struggles um, with uh, some of my military experience and some of those types of things. And so I joined this, uh, this, this group called Team Red, White, and Blue. And at the time, this was a number of years ago, I would describe them as a running group. Now, they do a lot of different things now, but at the time, really, when, we, when I met with them, uh, we were running. We'd go to this park and we'd just run around the, the trail that was around the outside of this park. And the, and the loop was like a third of a mile and we'd do it, you know, three or four times. Yeah. And that's how I met Amy Donaldson. Yeah. And so literally I had just joined this group like in July and like uh, September. So I've only known Amy for a few months and literally once a week I would see Amy and a few others when we'd run around this track. And Amy said, hey, I'm going to do this 50 miler in March. Anybody want to do it with me? Now, I can't remember at the time, I can't remember Amy's last name, but I'm like, you know what? I, I wonder if I could do that. And so I agreed to, to do this 50 miler. Having she's never a, done anything like this She's a good peer pressure. Oh, That's, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you could do it. You'll yeah. be fine. It's no big deal. Yeah. 
And, and, and by the way, I mean, really quick to jump ahead. The thing about running is really funny because literally I remember during the first mile of this 50 miler, when we got to that point, I was thinking, I wonder if I could do a hundred miler. <laughs> now that was mile one by mile 50. I was not thinking about whether or not I could do a hundred miler, but that's amazing. So we man. started training Yeah, and it was myself and, and one other, one other really good friend. Um, again, somebody that I just met, but, but we would, we would go running and we would, to get ready for this thing, we were doing, like I said, these long runs, you know, we one time went out, we, we all took a day off of work and literally went out and did a 35 mile run, you know, and we had built up to that obviously, but, but it was a, but it was a great experience, but it developed these, you know, these incredible friendships because, you know, running is, it's really funny, especially when you do these long runs, it's very, I don't know what the right way to say it. it's almost emotional i mean you're you're literally laid bare yeah. at this point nothing matters other than you know just getting through this thing and so when you're that vulnerable then you know you really tend to be vulnerable with the people that you're with and and just share things and talk about whatever struggles you might be having and so for me as a veteran who had been struggling with post-traumatic stress it was really a lifesaver yeah and is that like the group, can you kind of talk a little bit about team red, white, and blue? Yeah. Cause uh, so, is there like, is that like a common thread throughout the group or, or what? It really is. So team red, white, and blue is a, is a group that was started a number of years ago by, by somebody who recognized a veteran who recognized that veterans benefit from physical activity, that getting up and running. So their mission is to bring veterans and community members together through physical, social and service activities. Yeah. And so there's chapters all over the country. There's probably over 200,000 members. Um, and so I just found my local chapter and we would just get together and do things. And so here I was with both civilians and veterans and, and we were, you know, thrown together doing these crazy things, whether it was like a Tough mutter or running or, you know, or running. One of the things we do every year, and we haven't been able to for the last couple of years is we do a flag relay for a marathon. So we start the, we start with a runner at mile one with the flag and every mile or two we pass that flag to somebody else and the thing that's unique about our flag relay is once you join the course you stay on the course okay so that first runner runs all 26 oh. miles <laughs> yeah but but again remember you know one of our mottos in the military is you know you don't leave anybody behind and so when you join the course you stay on the course and so imagine the team red white and blue wears these great red shirts with an eagle on the front and so we would cross the finish line of this marathon with 40 people wow. all wearing these, these great red shirts. And so there's just this community, this tribe, um, just this family, you know, that of people that just got together. And again, it was both, both civilians, non-military members. Sometimes it was family of military members. And then you had the, and, and then you had veterans of, you know, of any branch and, and, and any, you know, era of service. Yeah. Can you kind of talk like, is the importance of a group like this uh, finding like common, like commonalities between the members, you know, because yeah. you might get back from a service and, you know, you had this experience that people who haven't been in the service have never had. Um, is that kind of like one of the more important, like community aspects of something like team red, white, and blue? Absolutely. So I think one of the things that can sometimes happen for me, I served in the, the Idaho Army National Guard. I did one tour in Iraq. And, and when we got back, um, I then moved to Utah for a job. And so I found myself very isolated. I didn't yeah. know anybody as far as veterans were concerned. And, um, and the other thing that happens, I think, and I think this happens with anybody when you get, start to get discouraged, you think, I am the only person that's had this experience. Nobody yeah. knows what this is like. And then suddenly you get with a group of veterans and veterans like, you know, like any group, you kind of share your story um, at some point, again, through that running or physical experience where you get vulnerable, you kind of share that story. And somebody says, oh yeah, I had something similar. You know, I had a very similar experience and you realize, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. And so for me, that's really where the value came. And then when you combine that with non-military members or family members or civilians, and they might share something and you realize, okay, so yeah, I had this unique experience because of the military, but it's still similar to what somebody else has gone through because of yeah. maybe some pain or heartache or, or, or just, you know, something that happened to them. Yeah. No, even you saying that, like, I've never 
been in the military, but you know, I've gone through loss in my life and you saying that, um, where you feel like you come back and you feel like you're the only person to go through this experience. Even if like logically, you know, like logically I, I knew I wasn't the only person who has ever experienced this, but you still feel that way. Like emotionally you're like, Oh man, but to have a group to like share with, and you're right with ultra running, like it just comes out. Like you don't mean to all of a sudden you're talking, you're like, wow, I can't believe I just shared that with this group of people, but they're sharing things as well. And I just, I, that's super important. I think that's really cool. Um, and that's something Amy described. It's really kind of funny because if you think about it, especially with runners, for some reason we talk about our bathroom habits. (laughs) If you're willing to talk about those things, you're going to talk about other stuff too. I mean, it just, it's just, it's just what happens. It's just, you know, you know, you're worried, okay, am I going to have to go to the bathroom in the middle of this race or, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it, it's, especially as you get to the longer and longer runs, it does strip you down to like bare bones. Like, you know, it, it wears you out. So you, you don't have the energy really to put up those like barriers or boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. That, but that's what I love about the running community. And it's different than, than a lot of others is, is, it's really funny because whether you're fast or slow, everybody knows what it's like to run that distance, whatever that distance is. And they also know what it's like to cross that finish line. And so it's always funny to me when, if I'm the last guy coming through, there are the fastest guy is cheering me on. Yeah. And, and so it doesn't matter anymore that I'm the last guy because I am still finishing something that I started. Yeah. And so yeah. One of the things I love about running, you know, I mean, nothing is cooler than, when you're running a race and having somebody say, good job runner. And you're like, yeah, yeah, this, I am doing a good job. Thank you for, for recognizing that because, yeah. because again, for those, especially for those longer distances, you know, you're, you get to a point and you're like, what am I doing? What in the world made me think this was a good idea? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the idea too of like, you know, you mentioned like 40 people carrying the flag, crossing the finish line at the end of a race um through that experience has there has there been stories of like people who have struggled maybe in those last few miles but they're surrounded by like 38 other people or whatever yeah so well so a couple of things uh so one experience we had uh we had um we made arrangements one of our runners on our team um during one of these one of the marathons was a vietnam veteran and um i'm gonna get emotional just talking about it but but as we know from history, when he crossed the, when he came home, he didn't get the reception that, that I got when I came home from Iraq. You know, I mean, people still think, yeah. tell me that I'm a hero. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I just, just did my job. And yet he got the very opposite of that, you know, spit on and, and those types of things. In fact, he tells a, a story about he was his wife. And they had been together for a year and she finds this suitcase full of all of his military stuff. And she's like, what's that? And he says, oh, that's my army stuff. I mean, that's literally, she didn't know he'd been to Vietnam. That's how wow. much he'd kind of kept it together. Wow. And so we invited him to carry the flag across the finish line. And so, you know, there we are. And, and by the way, he's a double lung transplant. So we're about 250 yards from the finish line. We hand him the flag and, and he's, you know, suddenly he's, he's now running. I mean, here's somebody that's just had a lung transplant. His medical team was at the finish line because they were excited for him, but also a little bit worried, but, but, you know, it's hard not to carry that flag and stand up a little bit taller and want to run just a little bit faster. And, And we saw that in Stan as he did that. And he said, he said, you know, that's, the most, um, proud he has ever felt about his military service. And it was just awesome because, I mean, here's somebody that was, he was drafted. And because of that, he didn't think of himself as a veteran, but yet he's a decorated war hero (laughs) from Vietnam, but still he kind of kept all that, all that hidden. And so it was exciting to see that and to, and to be there with him. Yeah. in, In that same race, it was really funny. We, we passed a runner, not a member of our team, just another runner that was really struggling. And, and, you know, and there was maybe two or three miles left and, and it, and one of somebody just said, Hey, how are you doing? And so, you know, it's funny when you try to talk to somebody, when you're running now, you, they got to run at your pace. 
And so he started running with us and we were just talking with him about what we were doing. And the person that started the conversation said, hey, you wanna carry the flag? And so they handed him the flag. So he got to carry it for a little bit. And he says, hands it back after a while. He says, thanks. And he takes off and he finishes the race. Cause we were, as we pick up runners, we go at the pace of the slowest runner. Nobody gets yeah. left behind. And so, you know, so he finished and he came back after we finished and uh, he said, he thanked us. He's like, Hey, thanks. I, I really wasn't sure I was going to be able to finish. And you guys, you guys just reminded me that, that it's, that it's important that, you know, that you just keep going. And so yeah. it was awesome to, to see that and be there with him. So that's huge. I mean, those, even both of those stories right there seem to me to be like, that would be life changing experiences that you'll never, ever forget. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's amazing. Well, so, um, we kind of talked, you you mentioned at the beginning, just like you're starting off this journey of running, um, and, and how like anybody's a runner. And I totally agree. I think what happens is people's conception of runners is, you know, these really tall, really skinny guys, yeah. just sprinting as fast and they yeah. look majestic and like <laughs> they're like yeah. prancing. And, and I don't I don't look like runner like most of my my peers I guess that are runners I'm I and and often I am what's in called the the Clydesdale class because I'm a little bit bigger than most yeah. uh, a little bit slower but but I will always but I will always finish yeah so. I was that in your head at all because even, like oh. I was a lineman in football like I was always a bigger dude um and when i started running i remember thinking like i would do it to get in shape for sports but i remember also just being like well i'm definitely not the normal runner and then come to find out years later as i've been in the sport more i'm like oh like the normal runner is someone who just goes out and runs like it doesn't yeah, matter yeah you know? i mean i i do know when i get to the start line and i look around i am a little bit bigger than most most of the guys that are that are running i mean you know um, a little bit, maybe a little bit softer, um, around the middle than, than most, but, uh, but you know, I just, I just run my race. You know, I, I don't, I don't ever start thinking, okay, this is the one I'm going to, I'm going to win. I'm going to totally beat everybody. Yeah. It's never about that for me. It's really about, about being there on the start and then, and then finishing that race. I mean, I've been in enough races. In fact, that first 50 miler that we did, when we got done, the race director was standing at the end, everybody was gone. And he's like, okay, we're going to say that is uh, we're going to call that. Let me see, carry the night. We're going to say that's 13 hours. And you know, I mean, no official timer. I mean, he was done. He was like just waiting for us to cross the finish line. So, he could, <laughs> so yeah. he could finish tearing down. I mean, the tent was gone. The finish line was gone. It was, you know, yeah, man, but, you still went 50 miles. That's all. What, yeah, we what? finished. Yeah, we, we absolutely finished. <laughs> what race was that? It's the, uh, it's the Buffalo Run or Buffalo Island. So Antelope Island out here in Salt Lake City, uh, there's this island in the middle of the Great Salt Lake where they actually have buffalo and people are dumb and get closer than they should every year. But, but they, you run this, this great, this great uh, loop out there. Yeah. And like I said, it's, I mean, it's a beautiful run and, and you will run into to buffalo while you're out there. And, that's terrible. I've so. never ran into a buffalo on a, ter- <laughs> on a trail run. That sounds scary. <laughs> I've actually heard, uh, I remember a runner from Utah um, was telling me all about Antelope Island. And I was trying yeah. to describe it to a coworker because he's moving to Salt Lake. I'm like, you got to go to this island. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I couldn't remember what it was called. I'm like, there's buffalo on it. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah, well, give you that, that, uh, that coworker, give him my contact information. We'll take him out there. Like Heck I said, yeah. it's a beautiful place to run. It's one of those places where, you know, I mean, that's why I, I, that's why I struggle running on treadmills because once you get out somewhere, you got to turn around and come back. And that's why, yeah. I, I mean, that's great about that is, you know, you're out there, you know, there is no, okay, go get the car. That's not an option. You know, yeah. you've got to, you've got to make the, the eight, 10 miles back or whatever it is. I love that. I can't do treadmills anymore. I just yeah. can't. Cause you're right. The temptations there were like, I could just get off this thing. Right. I'm done. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. done. I mean, yeah with uh i know uh, amy and i when we do our long runs because we've been running doing the long runs together is yeah just because it's you know keep you from going crazy but but i mean we run out and back and so you you gotta you gotta do it there's just no you know no no stopping so no other option i heard so last time i talked to amy she was telling me about her training and i thought it was kind of funny um 
she was like, I'm going to run. Like I've, I've been running for the first hour or two in the morning and then I'll take dogs for a walk for another hour at least. And I was like, Oh, good strategy. The dog walking extra yeah. exercise there. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the sun coming up. Cause I am tired of running in the dark, dude. Me too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, it kind of came up at the very end of my run this morning. I was like, yeah. Oh, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that's awesome. So when you, when you ran the 50 miler, did you guys stick together that whole time? Are you like, are you keeping with that whole concept? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Amy and Tom and I, yeah, we ran, we ran together the whole time we stuck together. You know, I, there was a point actually where, uh, Amy really got overheated. Um, and so she was like, you know, you guys go on. And I remember Tom and I both thinking that's, that's not the way it works. Yeah. You stick together. We stick together. Yeah. Yeah. Now for desert rat, um, as Amy and I have talked, you know, everybody's, we're going to, you know, everybody run your own race. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I was wondering if that was a strategy. So yeah, so you're signed up for Desert Rats, this, my beloved stage race that I've just enjoyed so much that Gemini Adventures puts on. Um, yeah. And that's like a step up. That is that a level up that, for you on that, racing? That's a, that's major. That's a major level up. I mean, so I've done a couple other 50 milers. Uh, the other big race that I did is the Memorial, the Bataan Memorial Death March down in uh, White Sands, which is a marathon but it's a marathon where you have to cross the finish line with a 35 pound pack on. And we did, oh, wow. we did heavy on that one. And, and if you run as a team, you have to cross the finish line as a team. Okay. Once the first member of your team crosses the line, I don't remember, you've got like 20 seconds to get the rest of your team across the line. Yeah. And so, and so we ran that as a team. There were five of us. And, um, and you know, and that was an, another one of those things that where we finished and it was a, that was a tough one. Again, because you're carrying that, you know, 35 pounds in addition to whatever food and other stuff. Obviously, they're, you know, they're aid stations yeah. along the way. But, but, but you're running in the middle of, of the desert there down in White Sands, New Mexico. So, so how did you do there? Like, did, was it hot? Did you have to it, deal with it? It was. It was hot. There's a couple spots where you run on blacktop, which is always a little bit rough. Yeah. You know, in, in the hottest part of the day. But, you know, we did really good. We actually came in second um for civilian heavy groups that's awesome so and they don't give out medals yeah they don't give out medals they only give out medals to to finishers and i mean to the to people that place and so i was pretty excited that's that's the you know i i i obviously i have race medals but but they're not really important to me that one is important to me yeah yeah i think the ones that you as you go through the journey and the ones yeah. that are harder to earn, you're like, yeah, yeah these ones, yeah. these ones belong on my yeah. like <laughs> mantle or something. Yeah. Um, I want to, so, so this, another, this was another race though. They both baton. Well, baton again, that was a friend that said, Hey, I really want to do this. So, you know, yeah. so we did that. And Amy and I did that one with, again, with three other friends. And then desert rat was another one where Amy said, Hey, you guys want to do this? Yeah. And, um, and I was, and I was like, yeah, sure. Let's try that. Let, let me see if I can do that. Cause that's really the question. I just turned 50 this year and I thought, I wonder if I can do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that was just the draw is just, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wondered if I could do it, if I could. Now I'll be honest as a result, I would love to be able to say, you know, with the pandemic and everything, you know, I've just been keeping up fit and, you know, yeah. eating the right stuff. None of that is true. <laughs> I put on the COVID-19 and realized that I needed to do something. And so, and so yeah. really, it was really good to say, okay, it's time to get serious and get back out and, and yeah. take care and of it. So. I think if you were training for something that you're a little bit intimidated by, um, it's going to add that like extra motivation there. Yeah. Yeah. I can't miss a, I can't miss a day. I can't miss a training day. Yeah. My biggest worry really is going to be the heat. Um, I started adding one of my runs in the afternoon, but yeah. again, it's not that warm yet. It's still, you know, I know it's, it's like 60 degrees, which is awesome by the way for running, but it's not, it's not, you know, not what we're going to experience, you know, for the, during the desert rats. Yeah, exactly. What, how did Amy describe the race to you? Um, you know, Amy's going to go back out there. She's out there for some redemption too. Um, I think she struggled one of the day, I think it was day two and she ended yeah. up not finishing. Uh, but then she came out and crushed 
the fourth day, which is longer. Um, and I know talking to her on this podcast, um, after that happened, she definitely, uh, you could even, I could even tell then that was probably like two weeks after she raced. I could tell she was going to definitely come back. So how does she describe like the course to you or, or anything like that? So, uh, I mean, cause I've been, I, obviously every time we run, I ask her, you know, okay, what about this? What about this? What about this? Um, you know, the course that what she's described about the course is, is it's really not about, I mean, there's some climbing, but it's not like, you know, what we run into when we do trail running here, we're literally running up the side of the mountain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the goal is to get to the top so I can turn around and, you know, enjoy running down. Um, and she said, you know, it's not quite like that. Obviously, you know, there's a little bit of a roll and, you know, there's some climbing, but not, not in the same way. She said, the, the, really, it's about the heat and just, and just, just getting your legs used to just keeping that, just keep going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So there's a lot more walking than people realize, you know. There is. Yeah, man. Walk fast and eat a bunch of food. That's what I yeah. say. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of like, I want to explore this idea. Um, to me, desert rats, probably something like, uh, uh, like a smaller version of team red, white, and blue, right? Like it's this communal experience. You're out there, you're camping with this group of people over the week. Um, and that was the thing that like all of us came away with was just how much a community can be built in a week yeah. doing something like this, where there's no technology dis- distractions. Uh, you know, you're having these conversations, you're camping, you're having fun in a weird way, like type two fun way. Uh, yeah. You're suffering together and you're helping each other along the way. And I'm really curious about like, how did, how do you think the ice, like we were all isolated for the last year in 2020 and now we're going to go do this communal event like i just want to kind of hear your perspective on that you mentioned isolation earlier like when you moved to utah how has 2020's isolation been different uh than that you know that for you well so that's so that's going to be the interesting thing that's actually probably something that maybe i'm a little bit nervous about um again, you know, you talk about running and, and, and how we tend to, you know, you're kind of everything when you're running, everything's kind of laid bare, you know, you, you, you know, exactly who you are. And, and, and so for me, um, I guess it's, a, I, uh, maybe I'm a little bit nervous because um, I don't know if I, I don't want to say I'm socially awkward, but um, I'm, I'm always, everything's always about at an arm's length, you know, maybe because of my personal experience, maybe it's because of my military, maybe it's my upbringing. I don't know. Everybody's always at an arm's length, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of shake your hand. Nice to meet you. And then, then I'm going to take a step back and just kind of watch what's going on. And, and from looking at the uh, kind of the pictures on the website and visiting with Amy and, and having, you know, visited with you, um, that's really not the way this experience works. This is really about kind of jumping into the deep end of the pool and realizing that, you know, like you said, this is, this is just this, I don't want to call it forced community building, but, but that, I mean, because of the situation that we're in, um, um, that's kind of what happens. And so for me, again, because of that, um, that personal experience, I don't mind the isolation of the last year of this pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Oh, we can't go out. Okay. Awesome. I'll stay home. That's wonderful. You know, <laughs> I have friends who have said the same exact thing. I'm like, yeah, what are so, you doing? He's like, Oh man, I'm just sitting in here watching Netflix going on a walk yeah. around my block. I'm cool yeah. with that. And, yeah. I, and meanwhile, me, I have three little kids. I'm like, we can't go out anyways. Right. This is basically what we've been doing anyways, but we're just holding I mean, on. <laughs> I mean, I work from home. And so literally I get up in the morning, I go do my run. I say, tell my wife, I love her. And then I come down to the basement into this, you know, I got a, thankfully because of my sweetheart, I got a great workspace downstairs. And, and so I work and, and then literally eight hours later, I might go upstairs and, and say, Hey fam. And, you know, and figure out what we're doing for dinner kind of a thing. And so yeah. it's going to be interesting for me again, because, um, because of that kind of that, standoffish you know approach that i have pretty much probably had my entire life so yeah well it's interesting because then you get out there and you at least for me i mean maybe i'm just speaking from my own experience here but like 
I saw everyone else's you. This is the one race for me where I got to see everyone's journey along the way. And you are, even though you're racing it, you're also kind of a spectator because, because you're waiting at the finish line or, or you get to the finish line and you want to, everyone basically is just sharing their stories from the day. And so for me, by the end of the, you know, of the week, you, you know, everyone, you know what they've gone through out there and you're genuinely like just super psyched when they're crossing the finish line. Yeah. Um, and I am looking forward to that again, because like you said, this is unique, like, because every day basically is a, is an individual race, I yeah. guess you could say, you know, and, and there's no, there's no spectators. There's no non runners other than, you know, some support staff that are going to be there at the finish line. It's only the other runners. Yeah. You know, especially in some of the, you know, isolated places where we are, you know, between, between Fruita, Colorado and Moab, it's not like there could be people standing around, you know, just by chance. Oh, we didn't realize there was a race today, you know, kind of a thing. It's, it's just you and, and your, you know, fellow fellow, fellow runners. And so, so I'm looking forward to that, but it's not for me personally, it's, that's not, um, you know, camping and, and just, you know, being, going in there and getting to know somebody that is not who I am. (laughs) So, and so that's another, that's another opportunity, I guess, to kind of stretch and and maybe grow a little bit in addition to running 150 miles. No, that's amazing, man. So you and Amy, are, are you guys going to be kind of representing team red, white, and blue at the event? So, um, I mean, I, it's really funny when you join a group like team red, white, and blue, it takes over your running wardrobe. I yeah. mean, literally all <laughs> I own are team red, white, and blue shirts. And, and so I will be wearing my team red, white, and blue shirts probably most days. Um, and then the other thing that I have committed to is that I will be crossing the finish line every day, carrying the flag. I won't yeah. carry it the whole way. Obviously that would be rough. Uh, having done, I mean, I've carried the flag in a marathon all by myself, all 26 miles. But, um, but I, it's important to me that I finish on time, you know, that I finish that I make all the cuts. And so I, I will be carrying the flag, but I will be, uh, I will be pulling that the flag out and furling it basically and carrying it for at least for the last mile. And, and if yeah. anybody wants to, wants to carry it, I am more than happy to hand it off again, as long as they stay with me. The rule was always, if you give the flag to somebody, you gotta, you gotta stay with the flag. <laughs> oh Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. I, so Amy mentioned something about you, uh, making, making flags. Is that kind of like a hobby? Yeah. So when I'm not, when I'm not, it's funny when I'm not running, working or, you know, being a member of my family, um, <laughs> I really like to take, um, I, it's probably silly, but I take, I go and I go and pick out the, the, the most twisted two by fours. You know, if you've ever been to the lumber the lumber store and you see the big old stack of two by fours and there's always a big old pile that somebody has literally thrown aside because they're just too twisted or warped to make yeah. work. Uh, those are the ones I want. Those are the ones that have character and I'll take those and, and, and cut those down and make those into flags um, that I, you know, some I've given to friends. I've had opportunities to make them for, for different causes. And so it's just something I do. Yeah. Just, you know, again, just, just, uh, just for fun. Yeah. That's, that's amazing, man. I just, I love that you do that. She mentioned that and I was like, wow, that's, that's such a cool hobby. Like I just, and you know, you probably get your, some of your creative side out by yeah. doing that, which is really, really neat. Yeah. But I, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I, they're always made out of two by fours. I always look again for character, you know, I want knots in them because, and it's probably way too, too complicated. But for me, that's like a metaphor. That's me. I am the two by four. And with a lot of work, you know, something beautiful can come out of what somebody just threw aside. Yeah. That's, that's not good enough to, to do what we need to. And I think it is good enough. Yeah. And we're going to work with some work. We're going to make something incredible. Nice. What is that? They're always hand carved. They're always, you know, the stars are always hand carved or whatever, whatever somebody wants carved into that flag. You know, I've done it with the Marine, you know, the, the Eagle anchor and globe or air force symbol or, or army or, you know, whatever. So that's amazing. I, what is, uh, what is your, your dad? Like I am, what does your family think of this endeavor? Not, not the flag. Well, you could talk about the flag too, but, uh, (laughs) I'm talking about the desert rats thing, the stage race. Um, it was really funny. Just a while ago, my wife asked me, she asked, she said, now, 
why are you doing this? <laughs> I, I think I printed out like the 2019 uh, race Bible. So she could kind of go through and kind of see to, I was trying to figure out how to help her understand because it's interesting when you tell people, oh, I'm going to do a 150 mile stage race and their response is, oh, like the Ragnar. Yeah. I'm like, yes, like the Ragnar, but I'm the only runner you know, <laughs> on my team, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's nobody, I don't get a rest and, you know, hand the baton off to somebody else. And so, but when my wife asked, I said, you know, I, I really wanted to know if I could do it. A number of, of years ago, actually, probably just before I joined the Idaho Army National Guard. So, so this would have been 2003. Uh, we were living in Idaho. I signed up literally with three weeks notice. I signed up for the Pocatello Marathon. Again, not a runner. I just wondered if I could do it. Yeah. And so in, in getting ready, by the time the marathon got here, the farthest run I had ever done was 10 miles. And I probably walked most of it. And I did finish the marathon that year. Um, and I was, you know, great. I think it took me six hours, yeah. um, but I was grateful that I did it. But again, that was one of those things where I just thought, I wonder if I could do it. I wonder if I could run a marathon and the same thing with this, you know, when Amy mentioned it, you know, I didn't say yes right away. I just thought, gosh, I wonder if I could do that. Could I run 150 miles? Yeah. And, and so that's really, for me, that was kind of the motivation to decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I could do this, but I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I'm prepared. I'm going to train so that I can, so that I can know that I've at least got, you know, uh, everything I need in place. At least I think that I think I need, um, so that so that I have the a fighting chance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I'm I'm very excited to see how how you do this summer. I'm excited to see you race. So, uh, yeah, Jason. Anything else like you know you've kind of learned along your journey that you'd like to share, like to kind of wrap up the podcast? You know, I just like I said, I'm just grateful for, for good friends that again, the running community, the people are amazing. I mean, it's really funny when you're running and somebody says, Hey, what kind of shoes are those? Yeah. You know, and suddenly now you're going to have a, you know, a, a five minute conversation about why I wear ultras and why that's important to me and all that kind of stuff. And, and they're like, Oh, great. That's, you know, thanks for that info. Or, or, you know, you could just, when you're running, you could literally just have those types of conversations with a, with a stranger yeah. and they might even be running the opposite direction. Yeah. And yet, you know, like I said, it's just an incredible community and, you know, nothing does, nothing makes you feel better than when you, when you're running and you hear somebody say, good job runner. I mean, it's amazing to me what that does for your spirits when you're just thinking maybe it's time to be done. And, and you hear that and you're like, you know what? I think I can go just a little bit farther. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to be, I'll be saying good. I'll be saying good job, Jason out there. I won't say <laughs> yeah. runner, but I'll be cheering yeah. you on. So hopefully I can, give you some some kind of motivation through the deep heat of the desert <laughs> yeah, no i'm looking forward to it I, I have started running one run one run in the afternoons in the hopes of trying to start getting used to that yeah as it gets warmer hopefully i'll add a couple more just so that because that's my oh, yeah. biggest fear it's not the mileage it's the heat it's the, yeah yeah all right, ladies and gents, that wraps up this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Jason, thank you for coming on. Can't wait to meet you in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's going to be a fun time, uh, along with a time full of blisters and dust and grit and awesomeness uh, and community. I can't wait, man. And camping, camping, man. There's just something about it. You know what I mean? When we were driving back from the Grand Canyon a few weeks ago, which hopefully we'll put together a podcast about it. I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on it. I'm working on some cool podcasts coming up. Um, but uh, we ended up stopping at the Dewey Bridge campsite, which is on the trail here uh, for this race. Um, and I was like, dude, I love this campsite. It's awesome. It's by a bridge. It's beautiful. Don't know what to tell you. But me and my buddy Tim, my buddy Joel, we just went camping for a night. And I was like, gosh, there's just something about camping and hanging around a fire that's so relaxing, just brings you right to the present moment because you also don't have phone service there, which is a huge part of this. Um, but it just feels like summer, you know? Uh, and to me, summer always feels like opportunity. It seems like, oh, here's, here's opportunity for adventure, for getting out there, for exploring. And I just, I just cannot express enough how much that feeling means to me. Um, because there's a time where you, you know, eventually become an adult at some point, supposedly people have told me, I don't know. Uh, and you know, 
your life can fall into routine and it can just seem kind of not boring, but just you're used to it, you know, like you're not as fascinated anymore. Like, dude, this weekend I was looking at my kids. We were with their cousins. uh, And at one point they found a bee, like a bee that was, I think it was dead. I, it was a dead bee. Uh, they found this dead bee and they're just looking at it. They've never seen a bee up close, right? They always are scared of them buzzing around. They like run inside super quick, but they never seen one up close. And for about 10 minutes, they just looked and stared at this bee and they were fascinated. And it was like the most interesting thing in their lives. And all of us grownups were just sitting around and we're like, man, I just wish I could be that fascinated that engrossed with the idea of something as simple as a bee, right? Something as simple as something that you've seen and you've experienced hundreds, if not thousands of times at this point of your life. Um, and it's a lot harder as an adult to do that. You almost have to like intentionally go out and seek that. Uh, but that being said, like when you're on an adventure, when you're on a new trail, when you're in a new area, when you're traveling, you know, you're seeing new sights, you're smelling new smells, all of that, like that's what you're doing. It's bringing you back to that childlike wonder of what is this bee that I've heard of so many times, right? Um, and we just need that. We need that as human beings. Uh, otherwise, life becomes gray and it just loses its flavor and it's just not as fun. It's like a juicy fruit, you know? Life becomes a juicy fruit without adventure where after like 30 seconds, it runs out of flavor. And you're like, what? Juicy fruit? What are you doing? Like you tasted really good for like 30 seconds. And now I'm chewing on like rubber mush, basically. Um, And that's my advertisement for Juicy Fruit. This podcast brought to you by Juicy Fruit. Enter the code WARD and you get uh, 82% off your next tiny stick of gum that'll run out of flavor in 30 seconds. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm not a juicy fruit spokesperson. Sorry, juicy fruit work on your gum. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but anyways, I hope that analogy makes sense because I love adventure. It brings so much joy to me. Um, and doing something new outside my comfort zone, it's overwhelming at times. Like it's anxiety producing. You worry and you imagine the worst case scenarios. You're like, whoa, this could happen out there, you know, like this super scary thing could happen or this other scary thing could happen or this terrifying thing could happen. And that's what your mind tends to focus on. Um, But by stepping outside your comfort zone, you just experience the world in a new way. And most of the time, all those anxieties were just things you were worried about that never came to fruition. Um, So, So it's almost like, what was, I'm always later, like in retrospect, I always do this where I just worry and worry. I'm definitely a worrier at times for sure. But in retrospect, I'm always like, why did I worry so much? Why didn't I just live in that moment, enjoy it more? Um, And it's something that I'm definitely working on. And I think each time you step outside your comfort zone, you can work on that a little bit more. Because if you get into your comfort zone, you're kind of stuck there because you're worried about what will happen if you step outside of it. You know, you're comfortable doing your normal routine, which is fine at times, but you know, eventually it, it's what dulls that, that life experience is what takes that flavor out of it. So yeah. Um, anywho, I do feel and outside my comfort zone. Like I definitely feel uncomfortable being like, Hey, Hey guys, I'm making a film on Indiegogo. Hi, I'm Chris Ward. Nice to meet you. That's my spokesperson voice. Um, side note real quick. My buddy, Travis, Travis Steffen, been on the show a couple times. A lot of times. Love the guy. Sports episode, one of my sports movie episode, one of my favorite episodes. So good. Um, anyways, he's worked for startups, like entrepreneur stuff, this whole, his whole career. Um, he's awesome. He's so inspiring to me in that sense. Um, but for a while I can't, he was working for this company and I remember I was like, I'm going to be your spokesperson, dude. Cause I'm like the every man, 
you know i'm the every dude like everyday dude hopefully everyone can relate to like i'm like the most average man on earth here right now and so everyone's gonna be able to relate to me so i just started filming as a joke i started filming commercials for his company where basically i just pretend i wasn't looking at like i didn't know the camera was there and i'm like oh hi oh i didn't see you there hi i'm chris ward and then i just say my name because i feel like if you just say your name so many times people are like oh he must like be somebody like he's saying his name as if i should know i'm like yeah and so that was my joke and i record these commercials anyways travis would send them out to his whole company on the slack app and they would rip on me so much (laughs) they were like making fun of like the wallpaper at my mom's house because I was at her house visiting and all this and I was getting such a huge kick out of it it was so much fun uh so anyways I gotta send him some more of those I he he doesn't work for that company anymore and uh they probably still are laughing at those commercials um but yeah so I'm glad I could bring some joy (laughs) uh anyways before to risk like you know overstaying my welcome on this podcast some would say becoming the juicy fruit of this outro here you know like eventually i just talk so much it's all all meaning stops um all flavor stops uh i will wrap it up with this um thank you guys for supporting the indiegogo thank you for supporting the film thank you for supporting this podcast uh if you aren't able to Go on Indiegogo and support us. Like, no big deal whatsoever. I am so excited to share this process with all of you guys. Um, making a film is something I've kind of always been passionate about now that I like reflect and think back. Like, obviously, I love movies, but as a kid, I was always sitting there with my Star Wars toys, recording scenes from Return of the Jedi with a camera. Uh, We made these dumb movies in high school uh, with Travis, speaking of, um, and a couple friends over at my my buddy Jake Reed's house. Like Travis and I have have written a few scripts back in our 20s. Uh, It's something I've always really been interested in. And I think to do an adventure documentary and a sports movie uh at the heart of it is something i'm very very excited for and to do it with people who are experienced and know the process because i think that's the scariest thing is you go into it as a newbie as a rookie and you're like i don't know the process here um i need someone to help me along my way um, which has been really really cool so anyways thank you guys appreciate it uh we'll get back at you guys next week cannot wait uh we'll talk to you then